As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sans Pants Radio. Marine biology is not a science. It's quackery. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, you remember that Dracula pitch on Movie Maintenance? Well, we went and turned it into a play. Starring me. Well... No, look, Gabe's in the play. Starring in the play. Well, no, you're like the fourth, maybe fifth character. You have like one scene. Two scenes, Carney. Two scenes. Maybe get your head out of your ass and read your own fucking play. <sighs> Dracula, Last Voyage of the Demeter opens April 13th. Tickets on sale now. Starring me. Welcome to another episode of Movie Maintenance, where some films just need fixing. I'm Gabe. I'm Sean. I'm Kathy. And this week, it's Allied. Allied. 
what a film. What a masterpiece. <laughs> I had a pleasure watching it. I had a really, really pleasant time. I had a pleasure being moved by Brad Pitt's incredibly <laughs> evocative and sensitive performance. His facial expressions. It's a masterclass in acting that I won't soon forget. It's got a bit of the latter-day Johnny Depp bloat. He actually does. So we, we were kind of watching this just recently and, yeah, we commented on that. Like Brad Pitt came on and we were like, oh, like, he does have the Johnny Depp bloat going. Do you think he's had like Botox or something What's lately? the Johnny Depp bloat? I don't... His face is a bit bloated. Like you know how Johnny Depp nowadays, particularly in Fantastic Beasts, like how he just looks a little bit inflated? Yeah, I feel like that's like age, right? Is that not... Brad Pitt can't age, can he? <laughs> that's what I thought. He's got to age mean... gracefully on screen. Oh, I'm not having a bar of this. Like look at like, you know, you look at the dearly departed John Hurt, for example. He was a skinny man he until... He was a gaunt He was man. a gaunt man well, all the way yeah. through. Concrete cheekbones. <laughs> That's not That's a problem a for Brad Pitt. I mean, as a female, I feel like Brad Pitt's still got it. That's Do you feel like Johnny fact. Depp's still got it? No, but he hasn't had it for a long time. Mm. Like, it's all nostalgia finding him attractive. Since when? Since, like, the 90s. Borderline, like, at best, early 2000s. But wasn't, like, wasn't his peak attractiveness part of the Caribbean? For, yeah, our, like, for our generation. But that was then- really, like, his... In terms of him being like a mainstream Hollywood actor, that was it for him, like parts of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah that was surely. his peak. Yeah. Absolutely. But like there's like like in terms of like sex appeal, like chocolate and I mean I don't know. Yeah, like, but nobody saw that. <laughs> I saw it like five times growing oh, up. Of course you did. Um I've I've never looked at Brad Pitt and been like, Oh, Brad's aging. Like in this this is the first time I kinda of looked at him in a film and I was like, Wow, your face is like a bit stiff, like you look a bit botoxed or something. Like yeah. He's just not very expressive. I, in the I film. wonder, did this like did the shooting of this film happen around the same time that he's like married? Not to get into like gossip bullshit, but that his marriage fell apart That's because the it's prevailing very, theory at the moment. It's, it's, it seems clear in his acting that he's like not engaged at all. I mean, yeah, the rumor was him and him singer, and Marion Cotillard, yeah. which is weird because his is chemistry. Is it Cotillard or Cotillard? I don't. Know. I think Could it's probably... Cotillard, but I based on a hunch. No, but it's interesting to watch the film and. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, we've all heard the rumours about him and her and it's like, but then you watch them on screen together and it's like, I don't see a shred of chemistry. No. Not like when you watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith and you're like, oh, yeah, no, I can see why yeah. you two went off together. Like, there's a lot of chemistry in that film. It's funny because this film so strongly mirrors Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like, mm. conceptually. Like, you know, the two Actually, really does. kind of yeah. Yeah. against each other in, in marriage and all Whereas that. Whereas that, that was like a fun modern take. This is, your, you know, your old school World yeah, but War Two era sort of thing. A hell of a lot of Fun. I mean, okay, no. so no, so but sometimes it, it, it like tries to be, but it's, it's such a weak tonally, it's a strange film. The problem with this film for me, and I think we'll we'll all go around and sort of say what we thought about it. Um, for me, the issue with Allied, there's a lot of issues. I think the biggest issue for me is Brad Pitt and his performance or lack thereof. But the real issue is that like it doesn't seem to know what it wants to be. Yeah. Half the time it's like this sweeping Casablanca style mm. romance with like the you know, Definitely. the sort of almost soft focus look to it and the beautiful cinematography and the I mean, it's set in fucking Casablanca for half the film. Yeah, which they, then, they don't mind telling you every <laughs> five minutes. They refer minutes. to it as much as they can. Yeah. But then particularly when they get into London, it becomes like a lot drabber and a lot less visually exciting apart from the scene where she's giving birth in the Blitz for some reason. Um, yeah, that was that was odd. I'd, hate to, be, I'd hate to be an actress and I read the script and it's like birth scene. Yeah, yeah. And then she's got that amazing line where she grabs him and she's like, this is me before God as I really am. Mm. It's like, and he just kind of looks back without any expression. Wait, is that in the birth? Was that in the birth scene? Yeah. yeah. She grabs him and she's like, this yeah. is who I am before God. And he just kind of, you know, gives his blank bloaty Brad Pitt circa 2016 face. <laughs> and that's that's the extent of that that 
emotional moving moment in those characters' lives. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, once it gets to London, it's sort of like and this for me is when the film gets a lot stronger. It kind of veers into very like Hitchcock mm. tense thriller sort of territory. And for a lot of mm. it I was really enjoying it and then it kind of fell apart again in the third act. I, I guess oh just quickly, I mean for those who haven't seen Allied and I don't blame if you haven't seen Allied it's about a Canadian spy who gets dropped off in Casablanca in 1942. Is he Canadian? He's meant yeah. to be Canadian, yeah. Oh, I the just reason, American. Yeah. The reason is the film actually bends over backwards to accommodate the fact that he can A, speak French, but B, can't speak French with a decent accent. Right. And I think that's the only reason he's Canadian because otherwise I can't discern any any real need for it. No. But yeah. basically he gets dropped off. He meets Marion Codlard, who is a French spy. The two of them assassinate a an ambassador together. And then next thing, it cuts for like a year, they're married, they're in England, and basically it turns out that she may or may not actually be a German spy and he has to figure it out. Yeah. I thought there were a lot of good moments. I thought it looked really good. I thought it was a very competently made film. It had some real script issues and performance issues. And I was watching it being like, man, this could have been really, really good. It could have been really good. The cinematography is beautiful. Oh, it looks yeah. amazing. It looks fantastic. Especially that opening sequence. Oh, I was com- like, yeah. shit. Coming down from the sky. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was really awesome. And like, you know, the, the sandstorm stuff. <laughs> I <laughs> Not so much the, the sandstorm sex scene was kind of interesting. Um, also, that whole scene I was like, all right, Bradley. Um, Marion, <laughs> Marion's a very attractive woman. Mm. Yeah, like try and look interested. Try and, and look engaged. remotely interested. See, I yeah. felt like that was the the best part of his performance was in that scene. Like I thought he like <laughs> like, like he, was, was... he was kissing her without opening his mouth. Like he just kind of looked like he was banging his face against hers a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that was the one scene where I felt the most chemistry between him. Because they were having sex. Yeah. They were pounding into each other like the sand was, was pounding the windows. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's what Robert – was it Robert Zemeckis? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. Well, he's got like getting dead-eyed performances out of actors just down to a T now, doesn't he? He's like, I did it on Polar Express and let's just do it in live action. <laughs> like fucking hell. What was his like research? Hey, Brad Pitt, um, when you do the film, can you just watch Tom Hanks' performance in Polar Express? And just do that. Just be that. dead. Be Everybody dead like inside. Maybe it was motion capture. Maybe that's why. Well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah, very brilliant motion capture. Maybe that's why Brad so Pitt just An advancement right. in the technology, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it just, you can barely mm. tell. The intensity of performance is just so stark between what she's doing and mm. what Brad Pitt's bringing to you the table. You almost feel like she's annoyed because she's working so hard. She's yeah. working like double She's time. one of those like act, in an acting class and she's like, for fuck's sake, can you like yeah, he's give me something? Yeah. Can you feed off something? Like, she it's is bizarre. carrying most of the weight in this yeah. film for And it sure. does make her seem over the top, I think. But it's strange because when he has it's, – it's so funny. When he has like a scene, like his first scene with Jared Harris, he comes into the room and he's like full of energy. And I'm like – where is this yeah, actor really when he's on screen with her? It's so weird. I think my first response, like walking out of the film, the first thing I tweeted was like, Allied was an exercise in Brad Pitt having chemistry with everybody except for his on screen wife. Yeah. Does he hate Marion Cotillard? Maybe. Is it like, and this is getting into just gossipy bullshit, but is there like an element of it where it's like they were having an affair and they're like, we better not seem like we have good chemistry. So like the <laughs> acting performance between them just kind of fucked. It didn't bother him with Angelina Jolie. Actually, yeah, he didn't care. Maybe well, he's learned a bit. I don't know. Maybe he's grown as a man. Maybe, maybe he, he has grown as a man. Affairs. Now when he has affairs with other actresses, he just tries to he hide under a shitty performance. And he ruins films <laughs> yeah. just for it. Because, I mean, Brad Pitt's been really solid as an actor. Yeah, for, for quite sure. a long time. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, he, yeah. he used to be like sort of the pretty boy up until about, I know a film you love, Troy. I do love Troy. I don't think he was like a good actor yet at Troy. But then sort of. Can't fault that film. From like Jesse James onwards. I'm actually not being sarcastic. I effing love that film. Yeah, me too. I love it very dearly. Troy's great. I I cried when Eric Banner died. Like, I really wept. Hector! Yeah. Love it. But no, like Brad Pitt sort of. If you look at kind of him and Tom Cruise as like the leading man movie stars of especially the 90s. 
And Tom Cruise seems to have like clung to his leading man bygone days, whereas Brad Pitt, with the exception of Allied, has been taking like a lot more interesting left of center roles. Like Tom Cruise briefly flirted with it with um, Collateral, mm. but mm. Brad Pitt was doing you know Burn After Reading and Inglorious Bastards, even Fury. Like it was more yeah. than just being you know the handsome, appealing leading man. He was kind of fucked up in that yeah. film. Yeah. yeah, Tom Cruise hasn't really stepped out of being like the action guy. This is the closest to really generic territory I think I've seen Brad Pitt. Oh, World War Z, I guess. I didn't mind World War Z. But it's yeah. fair, it was fairly generic. For but also, I mean, I wonder, because he produced that as well, I wonder how much of that was him trying to be safe. Yeah. Because he's producing, yeah, guess, he had I, more I, to lose in terms of that film being successful. I quite like his performance in that film. Yeah, me, Despite me what too. people say on the film, it. and it has a lot of flaws, but I genuinely, I, I engage with the film. It's not perfect. But yeah, with But his Allied, character I, is, I get what Gabe's saying. Like, his character is more kind of generic kind of hero than yeah, some of the I actually can't vouch for what was there. I just haven't <laughs> seen it. I just I saw the trailers. Yeah, I, I like, I, you look reasonably like you're. You know, just being a straightforward hero. I, yeah. To me, like, it's baffling that he's just on like whatever below autopilot for an actor is. That's what he it's, brings. It's the down. worst. I think it's the worst <laughs> yeah. I've ever seen him. Like, is it, it's, it's like Sully. a stinging indictment on an actor, but like you are below autopilot. But even, <laughs> even in Troy, You're not which, even phoning you know, it in. He gets just... a lot of shit for Troy, but like yeah. even in Troy, he seems like he's. You can see that he's, he's invested. Engaged, at least. Yeah. Invested, like he's working something far more than he is in this. So, what was Kathy? What was your impression overall of the film? Well, it's interesting because you guys were talking about um, Marion Cotillard. Well, I mean, sorry, I was saying that I felt like she was really carrying him. I got really confused because I wasn't sure whose film it was. I mean, obviously, he was being told from his perspective, and certainly by the time we got to the second half, I saw sort of the success of that, I guess, because it was this great thriller and there's this great tension because you don't know what her motivations are, whose side is she really on. But then when you kind of look at the dramatic choices, she makes the majority of them and also she just is the more compelling performance. So I almost felt like it was her film in, at the end of the day and so that always kind of throws me when you see like The Light Between the Oceans, that funny film that came out recently. That's oh, another example of something being like this guy in the centre of this kind of stoic kind of man who can't express his feelings and then this woman actually propelling the narrative by her choices, her choices being the narrative, but it's still being his story and that always kind of throws me. But this film was was muddier than that one because of that second half. Without that second half, I would have been like, well, that's her film. She's making the choice. She's driving the plot. Is there an element of it too where her sort of the charisma that she brings to the performance – it's just so far outweighs his that it just seems like she's the one who's yes, steering it. Like, that's I put, the thing. Yeah. How, in saying that, I wasn't fond of her performance. Really? I don't really like her Ugh. in a lot of her roles. I, look, I, I quite like her, but I, I do think she was – she felt like she was overplaying in this, but I do wonder how much that was the character. And actually to a certain extent with Brad Pitt too because I wonder if it was just a really badly written character who was directed to be very emotionless. Mm. And there are lines that suggest that, you know, the bit where like she's unbuttoning her shirt and that really bad line where he's like, we both know people who fucked each other and, mm. and then got fucked and then fucking fucked died. And, and she said that's died. a lot of fucking. And yeah, that was, it was a really bad line. But it like I, threw I feel me like right a, out of the movie. A good actor. No, well, that was the thing because I was watching it and there was a sort of like, there was a lot of swearing and most of it was from Brad Pitt where he just threw like a fucking in here or in there and it just didn't. For me, it didn't feel like tonally it fit in with the film. Yeah, it was. And it didn't fit and in it, with it his jolted me. It took either. away from like a sweeping romantic feel that yeah. it felt like they were going for. I wasn't sure what they were. But yeah, like, I don't know. I've, I was, it's those, I was wondering. It's those if, tonal shifts where, like, I don't know what kind of film they were trying to make. And, mm. and clearly they didn't either. The like, problem was that, like, there was this weird thing where it was like, with a lot of him in the first half of the film, I was like, is he trying to be like this stoic, withdrawn man who just can't express emotions properly? And then there was like that moment that I feel like could have been nice in theory where he's, oh, you know, she's watching from the window and he hugs her and then it cuts the window and there's nobody 
there. Mm. And I was like, look, that's not bad in theory, but there's also nothing built up to that. There's no real chemistry between them. There's nothing to make me think this super hardcore assassin spy character Mm. is letting down his defenses for this woman. So that's actually kind of my starting point for what I've tried to do to it, which I think we should probably like touch on the third act briefly. I wasn't really a fan of how it ended. I thought it was too easy with with her killing herself at the end, being like, oh, you know, I'm going to save you and and my child and everything. Because I was like, I I I just hate suicide endings in general. I think it's too easy. Mm. And I think it's something people lean on when they're like, oh, this character sacrificed themselves, this character kills himself or whatever. Suicide endings are a real cop-out. Yes. Um, And this, I thought, was shot terribly in terms of the way it was actually even pieced together. I thought it was really clumsy. Every suicide ending I see is always one that makes me think, was there a better way to do that? Mm. Was there a way to get more drama out of that? Was Mm. there a way to, like, because to me it's just so easy. Like, you put it, the thing about a film like Allied is that you're putting a character in a really juicy, like what they always talk about at film school, like give your film a really sexy premise. Yep. And it is a sexy premise. Yeah, it's for sure. Guy marries a woman who he meets in the battlefield and it turns out that she may or may not be a spy. Mm. What does he do? And of course the question is, if she is a spy, what the fuck does he do? Yep. And to me, the film almost kind of reneges on that promise a little bit by having her kill herself because it takes the choice out of his hands. Mm. And if he is the protagonist or the ostensible protagonist in this case, he doesn't make the choice at the end of how to deal yeah. with it. She yep. does. And she does. And so all of this makes it sound like I'm going to do more with that than I am. <laughs> but I think I've, I've sort of changed the film thematically. Um, what I've sort of what I've kind of boiled the film down to is that that line I really, really like where he says to her something like, oh, you know, that friend of mine said you were beautiful and she's like, being good at this work isn't very beautiful. Mm. And to me, that should be the theme of the story. Sure. It's what sure. To me, this story is about two spies slash assassins meeting each other and it's about the relationship between the two of them. And it's about, or what I've done with it, is about what it means to be the kind of person who does that sort of work. And it comes down to that doing this sort of work is not very beautiful. And that is sort of the controlling idea of what I've tried to do with Allied. I haven't rewritten it as much as I normally would in a lot of cases. There's a lot that I'm going to keep more or less the same, yeah. a lot of the good stuff. But I'll it, crack into it. It is and- kind of like sort of somewhere in the middle there where there is some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I There's guess like a lot that I to me it's it. a three-star film where I'm like, look, it's competently made. I was entertained for a lot of it. Like for a lot of the middle part, I was like, I'm really enjoying it. But, like, I wouldn't be heartily recommending it to anyone. Mm, no. It's, it's not a. It's that sort of typical film where, like, a few running repairs would just stop. Absolutely. It. It's yeah. not a burn it down and start again. It's yeah. a few repairs here and there just to. A bit of a bit of a bit of a bit of movie maintenance, if, if you if you will. <laughs> okay, so we're going to open more or less in the same way with you know Max floating down from the sky, landing in the desert. Because as we said before, I thought it was a great shot, it's really beautiful. striking opening, and a lot of visuals like that I'd like to retain for the most part. But the first major change is when we see Max's face. Um, so before everyone rolls their eyes, let me explain. I, I need an actor for this who can mix charm with danger and depth. And Brad Pitt, who I did feel could do this, was clearly not up to the task. So instead, I've cast Michael Fassbender, and I've fucked off the Canadian aspect, and I've made him British. Hey, straight up British mm, Fassbender cool. spy. Could be a cheeky Bond audition, but whatever. Hey, okay. nice. nice. Um, so uh, the start of the film continues to play out more or less the same way. He gets in the car, he gets a fake identity, and then he arrives at the restaurant or bar or whatever it was. Again, this film sort of bent over backwards to excuse Brad Pitt's obvious lack of a French accent. I mean, fuck that movie. That's an easy way out. He's a spy. He should be above that. So instead of all that awkward, oh, my husband is shy and I want to avoid him speaking, which, <laughs> so excuse my French accent, um, all oh, of that. that. That was French? It sort of <laughs> veered towards an attempt and then I kind of pulled you back from the play the character. And, Go fuck yourself, Sean Carney. <laughs> so instead of all of that stuff, um, which actually, if it was used correctly, could have built more tension than it did. Yeah. Because yeah. if they were like, we have to avoid him speaking around anyone, because they flirted with it, they had that moment where yeah. they were like, oh, this guy's from Paris too. 
And then they just kind of steer him out of that. And he's then, like, yeah, oh, good save, nothing. Save, nothing. But I'm, I'm not going to do much with it either. I feel like, like this lives or dies on the tension. Exactly. That yeah. And moments like that could have created a hell of a lot of tension. In an alternate take that's not as different as mine, yep. you could do more with that. But they didn't, so whatever. So instead of that, Max enters the room and instead of like avoiding speaking or avoiding talking or engaging with anyone, he enters the room and he is charming as hell. Cool. He comes in, he's chatting to people, he's cracking jokes, he's smiling, million watt smile, immediately all eyes are on him and his fake wife, who he's never met before, turns around and it's Eva Green. Okay. No more Marion Codlard, Eva Green. Good, good choice. And in this mm. moment, we see just how very professional he and Marion are. Because instead of leaving, finding an excuse to leave, these two people who have never met have this immediate chemistry, and together they are charming everyone with these off-the-cuff stories that they make up between them. If you hadn't seen the first few minutes setting this up, you would totally believe that they're husband and wife who've been yeah. together forever. And we just see through that how very, very fucking good at what they do they are. Eventually, you know, they do leave. They're arm in arm. They're waving. They're smiling, laughing at everyone. Everybody's charmed by this, you know, sexy new couple in town. They continue to, like, arm in arm, sort of be all over each other, be very affectionate and warm until they reach the car. The moment the car door closes, all pretense drops. We're looking at two cold, emotionless killing machines. Cool. Max is straight away like, all right, give me the details of the case. Marianne equally swiftly briefs him on how they're going to go about killing this ambassador. So a lot of the next part can kind of play out the same way, but I, I want more tension and more moments of paranoia which is going to be a big thing through this film of them wondering, is somebody onto them? And funnily enough, less attempts at connection between them. Okay, cool. Because the film struggled here because of the total lack of chemistry between them and uh, Brad Pitt being a block of wood. But I kind of want to double <laughs> down on this and be like, let's look at these two as two consummate professionals. All that shit with her, like unbuttoning her shirt to tempt him, that can fuck right off and so can the unearned dumb car sex scene and all of that shit. And I'm not, I haven't gone too much detail here, but I want to sort of add a bit more stuff with them <laughs> having to quickly and quietly maybe take out a few more German soldiers because the first 40 minutes of this film when they're in Casablanca are so languid and we we kind of need to be sold on the idea that the situation in this city is extremely fraught and extremely Mm. dangerous. Do you like the scene in the film where he sees that guy? Yeah, but more of that. With the the bread? Yes. Yes. That was like the most tense part of the film. That was a really good, brutal Give me more of that stuff where it's like, no, this this city is occupied with Nazi soldiers and we are two allied soldiers Mm. in the middle of, you know, the worst possible place. Let's build. Let's build on that tension. Let's make more yeah, of that. You don't really feel the threat of where they are, except for that one except scene. Except for that scene, but, yeah. and that, but that was the scene that you really felt something. Yeah, yeah. So let's. And do like more when he grabs that. the bread, let's, and you're the like, first what are they going to do yeah, with it? That was yeah. the first time that the movie sort of shocked me, like in my chair a bit, and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. All yeah. Right, yeah, here we go. More and let's of make that. this oppressive atmosphere mm. of dread hanging over this Nazi-occupied city, and these two spies <laughs> trying to navigate it and survive within it. So through all of this, you know, eventually we build up the big party with the ambassador. Plays out the same way. Max and Marianne infiltrate it. It all starts to go smoothly. The diversion occurs and the attack where they flip over the chair and pull out the guns. Plays out the same way, except the counter-strike against them is much stronger. Cool. And Max and Marianne are on their own against a huge security detail. Just what it should be. A gunfight breaks out. And both both these professional killers are forced to act fast. And they forget precision in favor of this desperation, despite the fact that the room is still filled with civilians. Yeah. So things are going nuts. They're just firing off random shots, just trying to survive. And eventually, by the skin of their teeth, they win. And they go to leave to get the hell out of there. But then something catches Max's eye. Yeah. Because predictably, there was some collateral. And caught in the crossfire, dressed in a little bloodstained suit, is a little boy. Oh. Max is frozen. Marion drags him out of there. But for the first time, they both look shaken and rattled mm. so we cut to out in the desert like a similar shot to when they're sitting out there before the car scene marion is busting around the car doing something with it and max is just kind of sitting on the dune 
staring out into the morning light. We get the impression they're waiting to be airlifted out of here. Satisfied with whatever she was doing to the car, Marion comes and she sits next to him. And for a moment, they're silent. And Max says, I've been doing this for years. And casualties, that's just part of it. Sometimes innocent people die. You don't forget them, but you accept that it has to happen. What makes you good at this job isn't what makes you a good person. It's the ability to push away those emotions and do what has to be done. But never a child. Oh, boy. Could have been either of us, Marion says. Or one of them who pulled that trigger. We'll never know. What if we never came here, Max says. Was this so worthwhile? What difference that we could make was worth everything that kid could have grown up to be? Mm. Well, you said it yourself, Marion says. We aren't good at this work because we feel or because we question. We do our jobs and we hope that in some small way it will be worth it, that we can make a difference. We are tools that are designed to break, Max. The world we're fighting for is not the world for us to live in. Max looks at her and says, then why are we fighting for it? Marion doesn't have an answer. The plane arrives and together they burn the car and they're carried far away from Casablanca to safety. And inside the plane, Marion looks sideways at Max and then takes his hand. This is a beautiful game. Thanks, mate. We cut to a year later. And this is more or less the same as the film. Max and Marion have gotten married. We see the photos, maybe a montage. We see the birth of their child, but probably not in the Blitz. And just <laughs> in a regular but hospital. But we get rid of that whole dumb scene, like at the end of their infiltration, where he was like, come to London, come to London, be my wife. Which yeah. just, like, hey. we, can, we can just sort of like. It's pretty good. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. It's, we, it's very of, wooden, think, but you know, yeah. it was actually. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think we can just allude that like. They would have had a romance and connected and everything. Sure, yeah. So we don't need to see. There's enough of that, that there. That, exactly. Yeah. So we jump forward a year and we can see that in photos yeah. and maybe a brief montage. And so through this, we as the audience realize that after what happened in Casablanca and after particularly that tiny moment of connection in the middle of this hell, these two broken, dangerous people found something special. And so since then, Max took on an office job. Marion stays at home with their daughter. And what we see of their lives is happy. And maybe Max sits up late at night sometimes with a drink and a cigarette and he wonders if he deserves any of this. But ultimately, he of all people knows that happiness is fleeting and life can turn on you at the drop of a hat. And for now, he has to enjoy something that, as a professional killer, he never thought he would find. Peace. Cool. Because, see, what brought Max and Marion together wasn't some feeble attempt at bad chemistry based on unbuttoning shirts and car sex. (laughs) It was... Sandstorm Sandstorm car car sex. Yeah. But no, it was something far more profound and rare than that. It was very simply the fact that because of what they do, they understand each other. They know they've both done terrible things. They know why they had to do them. And so they're right for each other in the way that no normal people could be. But of course, being this film, things soon turn. Just like in the actual movie, Max is called to Frank, his superior's office. And just like in the actual movie, the bombshell is dropped. They suspect Marion of being a German spy who stole the identity of the real Marion and took out the ambassador because he was a dissenter Hitler wanted gone. See, Frank, uh, still played by, um, by Jared Harris because he's great, cool. um, had been investigating suspected German sleeper agents, and the discovery of one in the area has been narrowed down. Marion seems like the most logical option. So Max is shaken, but the thing is, he's a professional. He doesn't lose his shit like he did in the film. He <laughs> Kicking just the little chair away, no. a little tantrum. <laughs> he just listens. And for a moment in that office we see the facade of the content, charming family man drop just as easily as the facade of the rich socialite dropped in Casablanca. So the plan is the same. Max has given some fake fake information and he has to leave it for Marianne to find and see if she broadcasts it with a clear instruction that if she does, he must execute her personally. But furthermore, just as in the film, Max cannot act any differently or investigate this himself. His job is to make it seem 
like nothing is amiss. Now, again, I think a lot of this middle section can be kept the same. For me, it was really the best part of the film. It was tense. It kept me guessing. So we can see Max visit his bitter old colleague who knew the real Marianne only to find that he's blind and he can't identify her. We see Max give Marianne's details to the pilot who goes to France but then is killed. We see Max's doubt, wondering if this is all a test they're putting into place before D-Day to sort of see, to test his mettle. The only real change in this part of the film is that instead of like Max obviously being kind of a bit thrown and shaken and suspicious around Marianne, he just acts no differently towards her whatsoever. Okay. He is too professional to let any suspicion yeah, that's slip. Finally, Max does what he does in the film, takes the place of a pilot and sneaks to France to find the man who can identify Marion. Again, this can play out the same way. Max confronts the man. He learns that Marion was a brilliant pianist and he barely gets away with his life. Big action scene because I really liked that. He returns to London and like in the film, he takes Marion to the local pub. And at gunpoint, he forces her to play the piano. Mm. But this time, unlike the film, Marion doesn't react with any fear. She just stares at him, then turns and plays the piano perfectly. <laughs> and Max, the stoic, deadly assassin, breaks down and cries. Marion walks over and embraces him, holding him close. And he tells her he was so scared. Frank was investigating sleeper agents and she was suspected. He wanted to trust her, but she just holds him and says, it's all right. It's all all right. She understands. The next day, Max is called to Frank's office, where he learns that the transmission was never sent. Marianne is innocent. And Max just opens up. He confesses to Frank that he went against his orders trying to find the answer, but the fact is he should have known. He loves his wife. He knows her better than anyone. Of course she was innocent. He never should have doubted her, but the thing is, years as a spy and as an assassin have left him paranoid, unable to trust, seeing duplicity everywhere. And very tired, very weary, very broken, he tells Frank he has to stop now because eventually he won't be able to trust anything he sees. If he can't be sure of his own wife, what can he be sure of? And Frank, despite hearing these troubling reports of insubordination and endangerment of the mission, kind of just accepts it. Yeah. And he tells, and in this sort of warm little moment of human connection here, he just tells Max, the fact is most spies have a use-by date. They either die or they burn out or they become so embroiled in the job that there's no shadow of the person left, just the operative. And while the war does need people like that, as his friend, he is glad that Max no longer wants to be one of them. Frank, see, he's an old soldier and he prefers the more straightforward world where you trust your instincts and you believe in your comrades. Where Max failed as a spy, he proved himself as a person. Mm. And to Frank, that's far more important. After all, what are they fighting for if not humanity? So Max goes home, he kisses his daughter, he gets into bed with his wife, and once again he sleeps easily. And a week later, he receives a phone call. Frank has been assassinated. Oh. Somehow, they suspect the Germans realise that he was investigating their sleeper agents. Max is horrified and shaken. He sits down at the kitchen table, everything racing through his head, as Marion enters and just sits across from him. And for a moment, they just look at each other. I don't know anymore, Max says. I don't know what's real and what isn't. I don't know who I can trust. Marion says nothing. I want to believe in you, Max says. I want so much to believe that you are who I think you are. But I know I can't prove anything. I know that if you are the sleeper they are looking for, you will have covered every track and hidden every clue. So all that's left for me 
is to ask and pray that you will give me an honest answer. And still Marion says nothing. Her face is impassive. Who are you? Max asks. Marion watches him for a long time and then simply says, I'm your wife. (laughs) And they sit there in silence, broken only by the ticking of a clock. (laughs) The end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, That's a good end. Yeah. That's the kind of film ending that some people will go, fucking bullshit, and they walk out. (laughs) But... Like, but it keeps you thinking. Even then, that's a reaction. Yeah. As opposed to when you sometimes you watch a film and you come out of it and you're just kind of like, well, like, and that's you know, it. Like, you forget that you've seen a film. Originally, I was like, okay, well, what if he confronts her and she's like, I'm a spy, but I'm not going to give up my daughter. And then, and I was like, yeah, but then it just kind of, it's still, somebody has to die and it still explodes in bloodshed and violence and all of that. But then I was like, isn't it so much more interesting if instead we kind of look at the psychological toll of this kind of work? Yeah. Like the same thing that yeah. brings them together. It's like, you don't know. Is she a spy? Isn't she a spy? He doesn't actually know. And it's like, is it just going through his head? Is he is he just being paranoid? Yeah. yeah. And if not, how can he ever prove it? Yeah. Because the thing is, if she is that professional, she's not going to let something slip like playing the piano. She's going to not let any yeah. of that bullshit yeah, slip. Yeah, yeah. Like, <sighs> he'll, he'll never be free of that question. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. Imagine the weight of that. Ugh. Because you leave, because like you leave the cinema with that same question, and that's not even your wife, and it would annoy me being like, "Well, I didn't know. I didn't know whether or not she was or she wasn't." Yeah, you know what I mean. And that's just me as a third party. Imagine what it would be like to be that person's partner. Allied as it stood, it ended, and I was like, I just felt nothing. Mm. I was like, I just feel nothing. Like yeah. at least, like with this, I know this isn't like explosive or violent or anything. It doesn't ratchet up to the same climax. But instead, I was like, as I was like writing it just before, I was like, "Fuck! I, I really don't know how to end this in a way that's." satisfying or interesting or superior to what they did. Um, and I was like, short of them having like a big gunfight or something, I was like. No, no, but it's beautiful because it's such like the, the stakes are just personal. It's not at all like bullshit end of the world stakes. Yeah, it's, I didn't want that. Yeah, and, and do you know what? The it's this guy that just doesn't understand. He, he, he'll never know. Yeah. And that's yeah. It. Oh. Like the stillness of the internal conflict is so yeah. much greater than like actual bombs. Yeah. Like that ticking clock is like more violent almost because it, that's the rest of his life. Ah, yeah. Gabe, yeah. That's the rest of his life. Just like what's tormented. He do? That's the beauty of this kind of film because you talked about before how it's, it's good to have like a sexy sort of film premise. And there's something so fascinating about um, like the psychology of being a spy and yeah. like imagine like when you watch it and you just imagine, imagine that like the different characters that you've had to play in life and then just to, to have like a, a romantic sort of drama about two people who both have that life yes, and just how it affects the relationship. I, I find it fascinating. And also like the, the like the cycle, I mean, like you said, the psychological impacts of, of, of war, I guess, and, and spies about how that's, um, how that is lifelong and how it does kind of change your perspective on humanity and other people around you and how that in itself is the violence is, is a, is a, is a, is a, precipital layer i think that's i don't know if that's the right word but you know what i mean sounds like a thing yeah it sounds like a word you know what i mean it's like the violence is just the top layer of the damage being done if anything the violence is the least damaging part and that's, of that yeah, kind, that's of kind of work. It. and i thought in a certain way it's like the the toll and the the suffering that you bring about because of having been involved there it's not a karma thing or a getting what you deserve thing mm. it's what comes with the territory like you will be psychologically fucked up if you choose to take this path yeah and 
that's the cost of the life he chose for himself. And it begs the question, and, why did he choose that? It just, it, it kind of like, do you know what I mean? It kind yeah. of comes back to the start yeah. almost. And I know like, as I was doing it, I was like, ah, oh, like I feel like, cause what drew me to the film was okay. And I remember watching the trailer and being like, and even watching the trailer when it's like, oh, she might be a German spy. And I was like, well, if she is a German spy, what the fuck's he going to do? Mm. Like, and that's, that's what's so compelling about this film was like, what's he going to do if she's a spy? And I realized I was writing this. I was like, I mean, it's like, it's almost like when a film is really scaring you and when, you know, there's a monster in the shadows and you're terrified of the monster in the shadows, but the moment you've seen the monster, it's not scary anymore. Like the moment you've seen it, it's like, okay, cool. Well, now I've seen it. It's the fear of the unknown that makes it interesting. Yeah. And in a film like this, it's like the, what will he do is so much more interesting than what he actually can do. Mm. It actually makes me think of The Hunt, which I know you love and that's I That's exactly, adore. exactly where because I got the ending from. That's the, that's the thing is like it, it, it really doesn't matter what the truth is. As soon as you have that doubt, yes, that question. Yes, it's never going away. That is and the that's, most, almost well, the most powerful Originally thing. the ending I was going to have with was them like at a at like, you know, maybe his sister – his sister's party or something and they're there and they're like laughing and almost mirroring the start where they're like laughing at the party yeah. and then they're like laughing at a party and they kind of like look across each other and just for a moment it just completely drops oh. and they're just like staring at each other. That's chilling. I, I thought about that. I don't know. I kind of like that a lot. But what you've got already, like oh the my. clock, the ticking clock, the the, the audio, like I almost That's picture it. the screen goes black and the ticking keeps going yeah, yeah. for like another just, 15 just ending seconds. ending on that, I'm your wife. And it's just well, that's it because like, it's funny, like as I was as I was writing Eva this, Green, like, what are you doing to me? I was gonna have like a lot more after that. Like I was gonna show like the party scene. I was gonna end it that. But no, then I no, wrote, no. I'm your wife. I was like, oh no, that's the end. Yeah, you could have that's the party scene. You could have the party so scene, yeah. and then that's them coming home from the party. Maybe you know that conversation you have after you come home from a big night, and but you then kind of like lay it on. The I'm door. I'm your wife. The the reason I thought that was like the perfect final line is because I was like, well, actually. It, it means so much because on the one hand, it's like, yeah, she is his wife. On the other hand, it could mean I'm, I'm just your wife. On the other hand, it could mean I'm what you deserve. Yeah. I am perfect for <laughs> I'm you. I'm your wife. I'm your wife yeah. because you're really no better than me because yeah. you trade in just as much duplicity and evil and backstabbing as I ever did. You, you've probably killed that kid in Casablanca. Like, yeah, I'm your wife. So, like, there's so many things it could mean. And you need an actress who can nail that line. Oh, Eva Green. Well, Ava Grant. Yeah. Marion, what's her last name, is um, <laughs> <laughs> like she's no, a really good actress. Yes. But no, Ava Green is a really good choice for this. Be, I, and they're, I, very, they're quite similar. I, I yeah. feel like Ava Green has a little bit more mystery to it. Just just that, that it's the you know eyes. what I mean? It's yeah. the eyes. It's 100% and it's, the eyes, I think. It's the fact that she can either be cold, impassive and enigmatic or big and over the top and colourful and just goes all out. Yeah. And either way it works. Like oh, she's got that so real great. versatility to her. Um, Marion has a bit of that versatility but not as much, I don't think. I, I just buy her much more as like a cold character. Really? See, yeah, I, I really buy do. her more as the kind of just the charming. I found it harder to find her. Her charms the... don't work on me, mate. Right, they should. They, they just don't. I don't know why. See when, see, when she was the spy, I was like, but of course – of course she softened as soon as she had this baby because for me she just has that warmth to her, whereas okay. Eva Green I can see a lot more duplicity in her. Yep. Because she is otherworldly. Why, why she works in the role. Bringing in Fassbender is a smart move as well. I, I'm not sold on him. See, I, I Over Brad Pitt though, surely. Yeah. <laughs> Did we watch the same film? I know, that, I know that we always cast Fassbender and stuff, but like, to me it's like Fassbender has that ability to go intense and to – kind of give it his all. And if there's one thing Brad Pitt was not giving it in this film, it was his all. So, I mean. 
Brad Pitt doesn't really get shouty in films. Oh, I mean, he didn't. Get What's in the box? Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the, well, yeah. that's the beginning of shouty. <laughs> it was pointed out the other day too that he – he often just like relies on this crutch of eating in films. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. <laughs> like, it's like and a YouTube in this film, yeah, those scenes when he's eating, and I feel like Brad Pitt's just like really comfortable eating on screen. Like he thinks it just adds this layer to his character. Ramira Shoup said that as well that she loves to be doing things with her hand. Or maybe she hasn't said it. Maybe someone. I think. Yeah. I'm sure, it's just an actor thing. Like a lot of actors feel more comfortable when they have like like glasses or something to like sink into the character. Yeah. A bit. I love a really, really almost seemingly miscast person who's just not even close to the correct physique. Like I would be really interested to see Sam Rockwell. Do you, you guys know Sam Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a good like, actor. Yeah, and he's little well, and he's kind of scrawny. But particularly then he for the has spy. It's like, yeah, like, I mean, if you're imagining a spy. And then... he's kind of unassuming, which is kind Flo- of what it's like. Flo- yeah, I mean, yeah. he floats under the radar. That's the thing. I, I don't know. Like, I feel I've like... still gone for glamorous and good looking with the two of them, but yeah, you can you... steer away from that. I don't know. I like that kind of slightly oddball, but with like stacks of charm. And he could do like the live wire sort of fraying at the edges thing that the character has to do later in the I film. I've seen anyway. him really good in something for a while. Yeah, yeah, he's gone a bit. But this could be the film for him. It could be the film. That's a good who, choice. Yeah. I really can't think of like, I mean, I think Fassman is just like sort of your go-to for that 30s, late 30s. He's really like leading a, man. At the peak of his powers right now. I think. Oh, he really absolutely is. Yeah. I don't really know who else I would cast in that, like like who else really jumps out at me the same way. I mean, maybe Arnie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give him a scene where he cries. Yeah. Um, oh, that's all you need. Yeah, Arnie's Sean Carney tears. Bloody hell. Vigo Mortensen. Oh, a bit old now, maybe. Yeah, bigger in the sixties, I think. He's not, is he? he yeah, is, yeah, he's about sixty. He's still got it, though. Does he though? Like, what the hell have you seen him in? Captain Fantastic. Okay, po- besides that, post Lord of the Rings and Hidalgo. What the fuck is he was, been was, doing? I used him promises and stuff like that. I guess all the Cronenberg stuff. But yeah, yeah like Gabe was, said, he's a bit old now. Was that history of violence post Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. He Terrific definitely that. still had it in that movie. I don't know. I still, I still think he could do it. Hey, look, hey, I think he looks better than Brad Pitt did in in this film. Yeah. No, but Brad Pitt's still like I don't know. This is the oldest I've seen him look in a long time. The, he's got that kind of Tom Cruise thing in this film where he's clearly old but trying to look young. Yep. Hundred percent, like with the right hair, and yeah, just the the just, Johnny Depp bloat in the face. He just looks a bit sort of off stuff. in this film, I think. Just yeah. get Tom Cruise; he's terrific with accents. Yeah, yeah. You could imagine Tom Cruise doing French. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I would pay to see it. Well, you know, at least, but with Tom Cruise, you get one hundred and ten percent every time. We didn't get that from Brad Pitt. We no. certainly didn't get that from Brad Pitt. Are we going to get it again from Brad Pitt? Is this a dip or is this the end? Well, he has talked about how he doesn't really want to act anymore. Well. There's your answer. This feels to me like a latter-day anomaly where he's doing this big studio leading man role that seems to be what he's trying to steer away from. Mm. And it's just very telling that this is just not what he wants to be doing now. Why do you think he did it? Money? Money. Did he produce it? Maybe. I'm assuming he he tends to produce pretty much everything he's in these days. I don't actually know, to be honest. I I really don't know. Um, He surely doesn't need the money, unless the divorce with Angelina Jolie was pretty brutal. I'm I'm pretty sure whatever film we see him in next, he'd probably be terrific in. You reckon? Yeah, I'd probably bet on that. I could take a wager. We will wage when the mics are switched off. (laughs) And on that note, I've been Gabe. I've been Sean. I've been Kat. And, yeah, if you have any ideas about Allied or who you should cast in it, uh, hit us up at sanspensradio at gmail.com or on Twitter at sanspensradio. 
or our personal handles, I'm at Goberg Moser. I'm at Sidekick of Dowie. Ugh, I don't have a Twitter. Get yourself a Twitter at I see you. Yeah, right. God, that was a that was an easy sell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do it, I'm just gonna play you. <laughs> and yeah, um so shout out to our producer and editor Sam and his own podcast, Human Slash Ordinary. Go check that out. Um, or our sister show from the Desla, which chances are you probably know if you're listening to this. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you think this show is worth at least a dollar, why not donate to our Patreon account? Follow the links on our website, sanspantsradio.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.